Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ortiz finds it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> this is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. It's me and Tyler tonight. Jake's here. His camera's broken. So if you're watching on YouTube, he's not ignoring us. His camera's broken. Is that like code for you just look like shit and you are covering it up, Jake? Yeah, I look terrible today. Wow, what's going on? Uh, just rough couple days without baseball. Yeah, that's true. It's true. That bad, Jake? That bad? Real bad, Tyler. You take baseball away from Jake and it's this is not a good scene. Not a good scene. He doesn't sound yeah. good. This is the uh first podcast officially of the off season for name redacted. First is this our first off season podcast ever? Yeah, because we was we started like a couple weeks before opening day. That doesn't count. Yeah, I don't even think it was a couple weeks before opening day. It might have been a week before yeah. opening day when we did the first yeah, episode. That doesn't count. Like if you're on the precipice. You're on the doorstep of opening day. It's basically opening day. It's baseball season. Right now, it's the off season. Right now, we're sitting here a few days after the World Series has concluded. And uh, I'm going to be honest. I know a lot of people listen to this podcast because they either want their feelings validated or maybe they don't exactly know how to feel or they want a little bit more information on how to feel. To put all that stuff together, Tyler is fucking battling right now. Dude's been sick for three weeks. Just figured out how to unmute my mic. I'm legit coughing crap up right now. I felt bad. I missed last week's episode. Hey, you're dying. I don't don't know what happened. Two weeks of being sick. I've never been sick this long Mm. in my life. Just, I don't know. Maybe this is what the end of baseball season has done to me. Jake, I might be in a similar Mm -hmm. situation, but it's just coming after me. This is, that used to happen to me all the time. Like I would get sick at the end of every baseball season because my body would just know like all the things that you were putting off all year because we, my body knew we can't get sick right now because it's baseball season. Then baseball season would end and I would just get terribly sick for like two weeks. I think that's what it is. Maybe just with the Red Sox season, like there was really no true grieving time. Like we get right into the postseason and we're watching all those games. You kind of have something to distract Mm -hmm. you. Maybe my body is just kind of you know, like a nice laxative is just coming out in a different mm-hmm. way right now. You know yeah. what I mean? And 
I'm letting some of these awful fluids out and I think I'm going to be okay. And I'm hoping free agency can kind of warm my heart. Yeah. I think your body is just letting go of the season. That's what's happening. If I die, I die. All the terrible things that the 2022 baseball season uh, just congregated inside of your body. And then once the season was over, your body knew to release all that. That's it. And I I think I'm, I feel better. I feel kind of rejuvenated now, even just, Looking and seeing the Red Sox, say what you want about the interest king stuff or whatever. Seeing them attached to names, that makes me feel better. I can picture a different reality than the 2022 mm-hmm. Red Sox. And I think that's the best gift you can give to anyone yeah. who's it. I think right now, I think right now is what I have is, uh, I don't want to call it foolish optimism, but I have optimism that I'm just, I don't know that I'm like... <laughs> I'm I'm trying to stay as cautious as I possibly can about any type of optimism, but I think this optimism isn't because of anything that I've heard, anything that I've read. It's just like it's a new offseason, it's a clean slate, and I'm going to be optimistic that the Red Sox will spend money until it gets to, I don't know, mid-January and they still haven't done anything yet. Like that's when I'll be like, "What the fuck?" But right now it's November 10th. Like there's there's no problem with being optimistic on November 10th because no team has gone balls to the wall. The, the worst is when, you know, you get into the nitty gritty of the offseason and then the Phillies are spending money, the Dodgers are spending money, the Yankees are spending money, and then you're just looking at the Red Sox being like, do something. What the fuck? Like, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. No, we're not. And, and, and I think that's the, that's, the, that's the fun part. Like you said, once you start to see names coming off the board, you start to panic a little bit. Like, I'll be even honest. Seeing uh, Robert Suarez just sign with the Padres, he was a guy I liked for the Red Sox bullpen. I just for a second, it hit me a little bit. I was like, oh, I like that guy. He signed for what was it like five years, 48 or 47 million or something like that. That's a steep contract. But just seeing the names fly off, that's when you start to feel it. But we're an hour and 48 minutes into free agency mm. right now. And there's so much that can happen. I think the Red Sox are going to spend money. That, that's not really where my concern lies. It's just where are they going to spend yeah. it? Are they going to spend it on the guys we want to be here? And how far are they actually going to yeah. go? Are they going to spend, you know, like the big market team they should, or are they going to sit there and straddle the line like they did this past year and really eat shit for it up until now? And it'll impact what this offseason is as well. Yeah, like I'm not going to panic or anything right now, but they've been linked to Andrew Heaney and uh, Seth Lugo. Yep, Seth Lugo. And then we had a little bit of Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson. <clears throat> so, okay. Let's start with the okay. Heaney stuff, right? I know Heen dog. Everyone knows. The he Heen machine. Get his shit kicked in with the Yankees. Yeah. Absolutely ruined him. He couldn't do anything. He goes to the Dodgers. He, you know, he made somewhere around 16 starts. He strained his shoulder twice. It's a nice connection. I get it. I feel like he would have made more sense for the Red Sox if James Paxson didn't opt into his player yeah. option. If we were talking about a guy you're kind of taking a flyer on who pitched well for the Dodgers still, you know, back end kind of starter. But I don't know. I think where the Red Sox are with James Paxton right now, now giving a qualifying offer to Nate Evaldi as well. You have enough question marks. You need stuff you can depend on here. And I think that's where you go when you look at someone like Tyler Anderson. Okay, it's a little closer down the line. Still not where I want to be in terms of a starter I know who's going to be top of the rotation quality for years to come. Tyler Anderson had one great year when he went to the Dodgers. They fixed him. They did whatever it is. 
still overperformed his stats, comes with a qualifying offer as well. We know the FIP was in the 330s, even though the ERA was in the mid twos. I want dependability. I want high quality. What has Scott Boris said? You know, people are moving away from some of the lesser tier options. They want the Wagyu. They want the high tier stuff. I want to see the Red Sox fishing in that market a little bit yeah. more. Well, we'll see. I mean, the, the James Paxton thing. I mean, I know that the people want to troll the Red Sox. I, I feel like um, winning winning four World Series titles since 2004 has put the Red Sox in a position to where uh, non-Red Sox fans want to troll the Red Sox, especially after the Mookie bets and whatever else and not spending. And, you know, now Xander's a free agent. He's opted out. That's that's news to some people. Like every every year, and this is this is I I view this as a good thing. I don't view this as a bad thing. This is a good thing. Every year, uh, you will see people get into baseball, which is great. But if you're getting into baseball, sometimes you don't know the ins and outs of the um the economics of baseball, the business of baseball. So when you see something like Xander Bogarts has opted out of his contract with the Red Sox, you may see a newer baseball fan be like, what the fuck? He's leaving us. He doesn't want to be here. Why the fuck? Like, this is the business of baseball. Uh, Xander Bogarts was owed $20 million per year over the next three seasons. He is worth more than that. So him opting out doesn't necessarily mean that he wants to leave the Red Sox. He just wants to get paid what he's worth, which is more than $20 million. And, you know, over time, again, if you're a newer baseball fan or you're a younger baseball fan, uh, you will grow to learn. Like, because obviously when I was younger, I used to be like, these players, they're greedy. They just want all this money. Like, I would like, I would love to make even $1 million to play for the Red Sox and, and you want $30 million. It's like, well, no, like y- you start to see the money that the owners bring in. And it's just being, it's just about being fair. Like if the owners are bringing in uh, billions of dollars, that should be allocated to the players fairly because they are the product. So yeah, like the older you get, the more you can appreciate that it becomes play money because you can still, if you're, if you're one of these people, it's like, yeah, I, I, I make like my, my first job ever, I made 40 grand a year. And then you start seeing baseball players complain about like $20 million a year is not enough. And back in 2015, when I was making 40 grand a year, I've been like, Jesus Christ, man, like how much money do you really need? I get when people say stuff like that. I get it. But you have to look at it as almost like a math equation. This player performed to this level and that is worth this much money based on the, the money that the sport is bringing in. So I get when people are like, oh, man, you, you know, you opted out. Oh, you didn't want 60, $60 million isn't enough to play a game. Well, no, based on like based on his performance, he he should make more. Um, Just be real. If you worked at any job and you saw all the other people around you, you know, say they worked for another company, but they held the same position and they're all getting the bag and they're all making way more money. You're not going to want to sit there and make considerably less like that. That's just that's reality. That's what it is. You want to be paid what you're worth. So you feel, you know, respected, like you're being properly treated. And that's where the whole slap in the face thing comes back to Xander Bogarts where, hey, you throw on an extra year at 30 million. That's a slap in my face when I'm looking at all the other guys who, you know, work in the same industry as me who are getting properly paid, properly yeah. respected. I just want that same respect. You don't give that same respect. You end up yeah, where we it's are. It's all today. relative. It's all relative. Uh, so Xander Bogarts has opted out of his contract with the Boston Red Sox, which was to be expected. I think 
you know, Maz was really banging on the drum of why don't they just tack on more years and, and pay the difference on the back end or whatever. But honestly, I, if you're going to restructure Xander Bogart's contract or at least tack on years, I would rather have, I would rather have it be front loaded than back loaded uh, for, for Xander. Um, or, you know, he can I, defer I, payments, which would help out the Red Sox a lot as well in terms of the luxury tax threshold. But, um, yeah, I'm, no one should have been shocked that he opted out. That doesn't mean that he's gone. But what I do sort of feel is that the longer it goes, the less likely it is that he comes back. I think that was the conversation we had. And I thought Pat really, when we had this conversation about a month ago, put it in the right light where he said, you know, it's easy to go and talk about Xander Bogarts and know the kind of guy he is and think, oh, he's willing to take the right deal if you just put it on the table in October. If you were saying, all right, you know what? We're done bullshitting you. Here's six years, 180, five years, 150, something in that realm. Maybe it's 27 over six or something like that. But I go back to a quote that was in Spears' piece about a week ago where he talked about Xander Bogarts and what Scott Boris was really doing with negotiations the, last, the past month. It wasn't that the Red Sox weren't communicating. They, weren't, they were trying to talk. But when you got to this point in October where they were, Scott Boris basically said, unless you're handing me a blank check, we're not doing this. We're not. We're already here. You know, the offseason is here. You push Xander Bogarts through an entire you know, season of battling questions where he talked about how much it bothered him mentally, how much it weighed on him that, you know, there were nights where Rafael Devers had to kind of grab him and say, let's go get dinner tonight. We just got to get away from the ballpark. We need to breathe a little bit. We need to get your mind out of this. He carried that weight on his shoulders the entire year. The fruits of that labor is going to the offseason and now getting to see how teams value, how they value, how they look at you on the market, how much they're willing to throw your way. And Scott Boris is going to throw the, you know, the different quotes out about X-Men and, you know, attaching you know, Marvelous and how all these other executives are looking at him. But the reason the Red Sox are here is goes back to spring training. As many people, they can say, oh, I wish the Red Sox got it done in October. There was never going to be a serious negotiation mm-hmm. in October. Because they push themselves in this position. And I don't blame Scott Boris for handling it that way because there has to be some form of payment for your actions in spring training. There has to be. And this is it. Now we need to watch him enter a market where Dave Dombrowski just lost the World Series. He's probably fuming. The dude probably hasn't slept since the World Series ended. He, he's sitting there waiting to spend money. And what did he do the two weeks heading into the World Series? He shit all over the Red Sox. <laughs> Ownership. You know, talking about how they treated him. What is more of a fuck you than to go take the guy who is kind of their franchise leader, uh, face the franchise guy, and also give yourself a shot at winning a World Series the following year? And, you know, that doesn't take away from where the Cubs are at. And I know the Phillies seem really focused on Trey Turner right now, according to what's happening at the GM meetings. But you put yourself in the spot and now you have to pay for it. I didn't have this take until you kind of just laid all that out for me. Um, But I think Dave Dombrowski and the Phillies being in on Xander Bogarts is a good thing. Like D- Dave Dombrowski okay. is known for spending a fuck ton of money, being super aggressive in free agency. I think that could be a good thing for the Red Sox because if Red Sox ownership has any spine whatsoever, losing Xander Bogarts would be catastrophic optically. Losing Xander Bogarts to Dave Dombrowski after you just fired him after the year after winning a World Series, and then he he gets to he gets to a World Series before you do again, 
that would be an, a catastrophic look for the Boston Red Sox. If you lose Xander, bad. If you lose Xander to Dombrowski, very bad. Like the worst you, case scenario. 100%. Twitter would melt down. You'd look spineless. That, that's all it is. The guy who was always the one to make the big moves and kind of push everything in. Well, he pushed everything in. He took your star and he's making it happen somewhere else. There's nothing you can say at that point. You know, the Red Sox can say, well, we made the ALCS in 2021, whatever. If the Phillies are in a spot where they're taking your franchise star and willing to push those chips in, they're acting more like the Boston Red Sox than how the Boston Red Sox should be yeah. acting. And that's a tough spot to be in, man. And, and it just goes back to the handling of everything and then starting to question how much is this ownership group really yeah. invested? Because if they let something like that happen, what can you say at that point? You know whatever the public image or whatever it may be, it doesn't really matter to them anymore. It's more just another part of their yeah, portfolio. That, that's why I wanted to circle back on the whole meeting with Bogart's endeavors at the end of the season thing. They can't, they can't possibly be dumb enough to think that we, the fans, are dumb enough to kind of be like, well, they at the end of the year, they like sat down with them and said how they wanted to bring him back. And then he chose to go somewhere like we're not that stupid. We're not that stupid. So like, yeah, it's nice that they sat down with Xander at the end of the year. I don't think that numbers were exchanged. I, I think that they kind of just sat him down and said, hey, we're we're going to make an honest effort to keep you and bring you back. But put yourself in Xander's shoes. How many player, how many big name players got extensions done during the season this year? Quite a bit. Like more, more in one single yep. season than I can remember happening in, in, in quite some time, like during the season like that. That is uncommon. Uh, it's not impossible. And it happened quite a bit this season, this past season alone. So Xander sitting there being like, okay, before the season, you gave me a slap in the face, a couple of different, you, you, you gave me a, uh, a spread of slap in the face offers. Pick, your, pick whatever slap in the face you want. They're all slaps in the face in terms of, of getting a deal done before the season started. Then he plays out the season and has a Xander Bogart season like he always does. He plays through injury. He's there every day. He's in the lineup every day and then takes a step forward with his defense after that was probably one of the main things that before the season when they're like, hey, we want to make you this offer, but you know, it's not probably not going to be what exactly what you want because you know the defense X, Y, and Z. Then he goes out and has a stellar season defensively and has a Xander Bogart season offensively. So now he's like, okay, now what? And no, no deal gets done before the season ends. Then you have this time period towards the end of the season before he goes back to Aruba where you sit him down and say, hey, we really want to make a deal. We really want to get something done with you. That's great. That's great. But here's the thing. And I heard whispers of this towards the end of the season that Xander... If you're him, right, you get to the final month, you're in September. If you're that close, even if the Red Sox came correct with an offer that you would have jumped at signing at before the season, why, if you're him, would you sign that in September when you're already that close to free agency? Why would you do that? Like You would want the peace of mind going into the 2022 season, no doubt. Like there, there's a lot of value in getting it done before the season starts so that that's not something that's weighing on your mind. And I know that he said multiple times, oh, I'm not thinking about it. Like, you know, it's not really on my mind. Of course it is. And I know that it was like, I know that it was. So 
if if you're going to get something done in 2022, it had to have been before the season. I know that other deals happened. Uh, I think a lot of them were different circumstances, different types of players. We're not talking franchise players. Uh, some guys weren't even going into free agency that got these deals done. If you're Xander Bogarts and you're you're a few weeks away from free agency, there's no fucking point. Like they're like you know, it's nice to have those conversations saying like, "Hey, we want to keep you," but if if it were if it were me sitting on the other side of that table, I would have been infuriated because I would be like, "Listen, like yeah, that, no shit, you want to keep me? I'm the fucking face of this franchise. No shit, uh, you had your chance to do it multiple times leading up to this point. You insulted me instead of of making a fair offer." Now, if if your whole angle is now you're freaking out after another last play season and you're seeing ratings go down, you're seeing ticket sales go down, you're worried about season ticket renewals, and now you want to play nice. Well, I don't have to play nice. The time to play nice was before the season started and you chose not to. So yes, I'm going to go to free agency and you can get in line like everyone else. Like I want to hear what the Phillies have to say. I want to hear what the Braves might have to say to me. All these other teams that might be interested in Xander Bogart's services. And make no mistake about it. Xander Bogart's hometown discount. He, he signed that contract with Dave Dombrowski. There's no hometown discount anymore. He already did that. And Scott Boris is his agent. You do not hire Scott Boris as your agent if you're looking to take a haircut in free agency. Xander Bogarts has never been to free agency. This is his first time to be wined and dined, and I hope he does it. I, I'm not saying I hope he leaves, but I hope that he he goes out and, and hears how all these other teams are going to treat him. And my fear is that when you do that, there's you're only human. You're gonna you're, you have the treatment that you've had from the Red Sox. Like I, hey, I've I've been a part of two World Series champions here. I fucking I'm in the lineup card every goddamn day, and I've made how many All Star teams, Silver Slugger, whatever. You go down the resume, and I'm a leader here. And you want to dick me around? Okay, I'll see how everyone else views me then. And let's keep it a buck, Jared. You're sitting here and you're talking about it in this way, right? You're saying you feel it now that Xander Bogarts is out in free agency. The idea of him no longer taking a hometown discount, because when you go to free agency, you overpay. That's the point of free agency. You're getting your most worth because you're competing against these other teams throwing offers on the table. We know and how much can change just on a free agent you know, tour. Xander Bogarts may be sitting there right now thinking, I, you know, most likely I'm probably going to cave and come back to the Red Sox in some capacity as long as they pony up. But John Lester, John Lester felt that way. And then he went to Chicago and it completely changed everything for him. That exact okay. scenario could happen with the Cubs this year. Uh, what'd you say? No, I mean yeah. after. So after the trade and everything, when he hit free agency, John Lester came back and talked to the Red Sox right that offseason. He thought he was going to come back after all that played. The Cubs wowed him and he ended up going that route. Um, I think where Xander Bogarts is right now and kind of the whole situation with the Speaking hometown, of which, I just mentioned the, it. Less than a half hour ago, just came out. Xander Bogarts won the Silver Slugger Award for short time. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Less well than a deserved. half hour ago, well Xander Bogarts, your 2022 Silver Slugger Award recipient, Xander Bogarts. Wow, his fifth, his fifth Silver Slugger Award. Can you believe that? Wow, that's that sounds like a guy. You no doubt. Um, but when you talk about Xander Bogarts and the chances that he ends up going to another team like that or gets wowed. It makes Bloom's comments in the Globe the other day even crazier. 
that he is doubling, tripling, quadrupling down saying, this is option A. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. This is who we want to be here. He is our priority. You think if we got to this point where we're at in free agency, right? Where, all right, anything can happen now. You just keep in and say, all right, we're talking. We're interested. We want Xander here. No, you're making it clear that all these other shortstops. So if you miss out on Xander Bogart, so if you go after Correa, Turner, you know, Dansby Swanson, whoever it may be, they're all your plan B. That is not a great place no. to want to be if you're trying to pay these guys and talk these things. So what the PR here makes zero sense. You played yourself into this position based on how you acted in spring training where you couldn't really have serious negotiations come October because you would insulted him and made him sweat all year long. Now you're doubling down and trying to act like this is the guy you want here and how badly you need him here. And you've put yourself in really the worst situation possible where he could easily go to another team now or be wowed. And it just feels like the Red Sox are setting themselves up for a PR disaster here where if they don't sign him, all these quotes just immediately will be everywhere. All of them. And there will be no running from the fact that, all right, well, you said this was your guy. You didn't get him. You failed. You know what really bothers me the most in all this is uh, we talk about how the PR hit after Mookie Betts. And that was bad. And then now you have a situation where like you, you traded Mookie Betts to get under the luxury tax so it can reset so you can pay people like Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts. And you're thinking to yourself, well, now because of all that, because of John Lester, because of Mookie Betts, hopefully, you know, this organization has learned from their past, their history. There's no way they can fuck this up, right? I don't have the utmost confidence that they care about the PR hit. Like I, I, I think in it, years past, if you were to ten years ago, there's no chance. Like it's the same thing as the Yankees with Aaron Judge. Like when George Steinbrenner was still alive, zero point zero percent chance that Aaron Judge goes anywhere, stays right there in the Bronx, and I, I would have been laughable to suggest that he would have went elsewhere. It's different times. I, I think that there is a chance that he could sign elsewhere, San Francisco Giants, whatever, uh, Dodgers, but. With Xander, like the Red Sox have fucked up so much that they're probably like, yeah, like before the idea of fucking something like this up would have been unfathomable and we would have been deathly afraid of the PR hit that we would have taken for all this. But we fucked up so many times that like we kind of know that it, it it's whatever. Like we, we don't care. Like we have this team over here. We have that like, you know, Fenway Sports Group. We got this team over here, that team over there. Like, I don't know that the Red Sox right now are thinking to themselves, we cannot afford to not sign this guy. I don't know that that's their mindset right now. And that is like, as a fan, what the fuck? Like, I, I, I cannot, like, I, I'm not saying that uh, I have no hope in, in, in the situation or that I don't believe in the organizational direction. But you have to lose a little bit of, of, especially if he doesn't come back. The only way that you could swallow that pill is if he goes to, um, let's just say the Phillies uh, or any other team. It doesn't matter. Let's say he signs with the Braves and they pay and they're not going to do this. But I guess Philly is a better option because they have the money. Like if he gets like 260 million and it's just like a gross overpay 
and you know that the Red Sox made like a fair offer, like market value, and you know that the team he went to went way over, then you're like, all right, that sucks. But I think at the end of the day, you're still going to look back and be like, where was that offer before the season? Like the Red Sox aren't going to get out of this unscathed. Like you're you're still going to go back and be like, where was that offer when he wanted an extension before the season started? Uh, But I guess it's not even really saving face. It's just an easier pill to swallow if there's just a gross overpay for Bogarts at this point. Yeah, and I don't think we'll see something that crazy. I really don't. I, I think it just comes back to the spineless thing where if they don't care how fans react and something like that, where you know the outcry has been there all season long where fans are showing up with signs and talking about it and it's dominating sports radio. You can't talk about the Red Sox in 2022 without talking about Xander mm-hmm. Bogarts. It's been, it's annoying. I think everyone is so sick of it, man. Like, Someone who works in sports radio every day. Holy <laughs> fucking shit. It's made me hate the Red Sox mm. at times this year because I can't have a conversation about the Red Sox. Even when they were playing great, you know, in June and we we're having all this, it was always back to Xander Bogarts. If none of that means anything to them and Dave Dombrowski legit putting the tip in inside of you and taking your guy and it not meaning shit to you doesn't do it, doesn't push you to go crazy or do something, then you're fucked with this ownership group. And that's just, it's scary. It's not a place you want to be. Um, but at the end of the day, none of it had to come to this because when we talk about gross overpays or whatever it had to be, if you would properly approach Xander Bogarts in spring training, you could have got him on a reasonable Done. deal. Now you can't. And that, no matter what you want to say about how you felt about negotiations or being scared they'd overpay, Xander Bogarts would have taken a fair deal. Now the fair deal, like you said, is mm-hmm. gone. It's all about pouring it all out on the table. And Scott Boris knows that. And that's the price you pay when you disrespect someone and you make them sweat all year. If I was your boss and I made you sweat for the last six months in the biggest year of your career as you kind of tried to figure it out on a dog shit team that your front office is really partially responsible for uh, because you didn't properly address a lot of issues and you half assed the trade deadline. It's like, what have you done for me lately, yeah. man? Like, I've given so much to this organization. What have you done for mm-hmm. me? Like, you put me in a bad spot this year. You didn't take care of me when I basically pleaded for you to take care of me. It, it's, I don't blame Xander Bogarts for feeling the way he did. I don't blame Scott Boris. And Pat had another tweet on this saying, like, don't blame Scott Boris for how he handled negotiations right now or how he's going about this. Blame the Red Sox. That's where the blame yeah. should be. They miscalculated this. They handled it wrong. And they can say whatever they want to say right now. Bloom, your words don't mean anything to me right now. And that's a scary place to be with this fan base where, and he'll admit it. He's like, you know, I know it doesn't mean anything until I actually do it. Well, great. Because when we read these quotes, they just become things that go viral on Twitter for people to get mad at and scream at. That's all they yeah. are right now. And, and world famous Scott Boris mouthpiece, <clears throat> John Heyman. Uh, put this out last night. The Red Sox are in active talks with homegrown stars Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts, but sources suggest, aka Scott Boris texted me, sources suggest there is plenty <laughs> of work to do to complete a deal with either of them. The feeling is their chances at present are somewhat better to get a Devers deal done. But sources say, but Scott Boris told me, they remain oceans apart, quote, the oceans apart is in quotations, oceans apart. And even those talks, 
uh, also of significance. Devers, who is seeking 300 million plus, is only one year away from free agency. Word is, Devers is willing to be patient, which should come as no surprise since he's holding a lot of the leverage, if not all of it. One source thought he may even wait to see what happens with his good friend and longtime Red Sox teammate, Xander Bogarts. Perhaps complicating matters, uh-huh. talks with Bogarts seem even less promising at the time. So this is all coming from Scott Boris, obviously, because he literally just dishes all of his dirt to John Heyman, who's like, yes, Mr. Boris, anything you want, Mr. Boris, I'm happy to do it, Mr. Boris. Give me the scraps. Yeah, me- yeah, Mr. Boris, yeah, yeah, Mr. Boris. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just, uh, he's, he's just spoon feeding all that to him, which is fine. Uh, I, do I believe that they're oceans apart? On Devers, I do, because we already knew that they were about 100 million apart, which is the same fucking thing that happened with Mookie Betts, uh, which in this case, it's 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 the same in the sense that they're 100 million apart. It's different that I think I would give 300 million to Devers, whereas I'm not giving Mookie Betts 420 fucking million dollars. Like, it's just I'm sorry. Love you. Great player. But I'm not I, I don't I don't think that you know, he ultimately didn't get that. He got climbing mean, 365 is a fuck ton of money. Uh, but yeah. With this saying that it's it's almost more likely that a Devers deal gets done than a Bogarts deal gets done. And what I've been saying since fucking April that Rafael Devers is factoring in Xander Bogarts being here into signing his fucking deal. I've been saying that for the last six goddamn months. Now, all of a sudden, that's news to people. We've been saying it since the fucking season started. That's why it was so important to get Bogarts done first if your goal all along was to keep Devers here. If that, like, that's why, like, I, it's not so much, like, in terms of, like, losing hope. It's more just questioning the vision, the long-term vision. If you have a long-term vision, a long-term goal of paying Rafael Devers, it did not take a fucking genius to know that Xander Bogarts being here or not being here would be not just, it's not the biggest part, but definitely a factor in the Rafael Devers decision to either go to free agency, say thanks for all the you know extension offers. This is really nice. It's a nice uh, benchmark to use when I do get to free agency. I'm inter- you'll be in the mix. You'll be one of the players. But if Xander Bogarts signs an eight-year deal going into 2022, then Rafael Devers is like, well, I don't want to be left out. I want to be right here. Fuck yeah. If he's going to be here for the long haul, this is where I want to be too. I'm comfortable here. You guys are going to give me the the money that I deserve. Xander's here. We have a chance to win. I'm part of a core. I've won a World Series here. I like this guy. I I mean, it's, I don't know. I I just, it just seems like the Red Sox are dicking around. And and I know that Heim Bloom is going to catch a lot of flack for this. But when you're talking about contracts that are in the neighborhood of 200, and $300 million. Heim Bloom can say, yeah, of course I want Xander Bogarts. Yeah, of course I want Rafael Devers on this team. That doesn't happen because Heim Bloom wants it to happen. Heim Bloom is, is merely a person who goes, it, when, when we're talking about deals like this, when he's, you know, when he's plucking the Michael Walkers and the James Paxons of the world off the fucking scrap heap, no disrespect to them, but like they're not making big money. Uh, those are Heim Bloom decisions. But when you're talking about dishing out hundreds of millions of dollars, that is Heim Bloom going to ownership saying, hey, uh, can you cut me a check for $300 million because we want to keep Rafael Devers here? All he is at that point is an advisor. He goes to John Henry, to Tom Warner and says, hey, uh, 
Here's what I'm thinking. We've, we've crunched the numbers. Here's how we forecast his production for the next eight years. This is what we forecast his production at. Here's what that translates to a dollar amount. Here's what we think is fair. Uh, it's almost like buying a house. It's like, I'm putting in an offer here. And uh, you know, can you cut me a check for that? It is the owner's decision. Like that, they have the last say in this. So it starts at the very tippity top when we're talking about why the fuck is Rafael Devers still not signed and why the fuck did Xander Bogarts make it to free agency in the first place? That's the thing. And Heimblum said this at the end of the year presser. He goes, Xander Bogarts is an ownership decision. Why do you think Scott Boris, when he made those comments, what? Going all the way back somewhere in the middle of the season where you know, this he really isn't focused on this conversation with Hein Bloom. He's focused on this conversation with John Henry, with Tom Warner. When he spoke at that media session the other day, whose names did he mention first when he talks about who he's been communicating with? John Henry, Tom Warner, then Hein Bloom. That's where these decisions lie when it comes to this much money. If you know Xander Bogarts being here is that big of a deal where they view him and say, No, this is our franchise guy. If ownership says, I want Xander Bogarts, Heim has to go get Xander Bogarts. So that's where you kind of sit here and you wonder how much do they care? How much are they really hands on with this entire conversation? And ultimately, like, we'll find out what it is. They are communicating with him. We see that right now, but there's some kind of indecisiveness. I know we've used that word. We've heard about that word surrounding them a little bit lately. Um, They're just the actions and the words don't exactly match up. Something isn't right here. And what that variable is, what it may be, who knows? I think a lot of people, like you said, kind of attribute it to Haim. You know, he's cheap, yada, yada, yada. I don't think it's that simple. I think he knows his job is also on the line this year. There's a lot coming into this. It's just, where is the push to get some of this stuff done and not kick the can down the road? Just look at this offseason alone. You waited on Xander Bogarts. You still need to figure out the Rafael Devers extension in all these moves that need to happen. Like, let's be real. You can't even really focus on a Rafael Devers extension probably until January or February and be serious about it and get it done because you need to take care of Xander. You need to know what you're doing there. You need to know what all the other free agent pieces. There's probably going to be a big trade this offseason where they bring in a legit piece. They're going to have to kind of figure out this entire picture when you kick everything down into one offseason. You end up in a spot like this where the window is getting tight. You don't exactly know what direction you're going in and you have a thousand question marks with no answers here. And that's why I think we all sit here and we're saying, why the hell is this picture so blurry? We have no idea what to expect moving yeah. forward. <clears throat> and that's where you kind of get scared and nervous going into this offseason because they don't, they haven't answered these questions. They haven't taken care of business to make sure things were secure. So Things could go a million ways, and it feels like there's a lot of ways where it could go really wrong. I'm going to bring up a name. Uh, and actually, a name that I normally talk about negatively, I'm going to give him uh, a positive point <clears throat> right after I talk about Blue Moon, though. The baseball season's over, but you can feel that ballpark nostalgia with Blue Moon. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. Blue Moon's one of a kind experience isn't just for baseball season. It's also perfect for the holiday season. It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual, and authentic ballpark roots will make your holidays unique and flavorful. I am, uh, I'm going on vacation next week, Tyler. 
And uh, we got a nice little Airbnb down in Austin, Texas. Just going to chill for a week. Got a jacuzzi, got a pool. um, And I'm bringing the blue moons. We're going to have a fridge full of blue moons because it's a perfect way to kick back, relax, enjoy some time with your pals. And that's what I'm going to be doing. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that is one-of-a-kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all holiday season long. Enter for a chance to win an exclusive Blue Moon paper shoot camera to immortalize those unforgettable holiday moments. Make your holidays brighter than ever with Blue Moon. Get Blue Moon delivered and enter to win an exclusive paper shoot camera at get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. That is J-A-R-E-D. Get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden Colorado Ale. No purchase necessary. Open to legal residents of 50 USDC. Uh, 21 plus only. Begins November 1st, 2022 and ends December 31st, 2022. Includes four entry periods. For rules, visit bluemoonholiday.com. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply. Um, okay. So I am about to give a point slash acknowledgement. Not in the negative. I don't even know if it's positive. It's kind of just like this. doesn't seem easy for yeah, you. It's not, it's not easy for me, especially with this individual. Uh, Chris Catillo of the Mexican Times. Uh, he can be a whiny bitch on Twitter sometimes as it pertains to his Boston Red Sox coverage. And I don't know that I would openly because it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't impact my job. But optically, I get where he's coming from when he complains all the time. He's, he's tweeted this probably 17 different times. The point where the media has not seen John Henry in probably three years now. Like he has not met with the media in three years. Like what was the last time? The end of the 2019 season or something like that? I believe that's the, uh, the case. The closest thing we've got recently is that, you know, quote unquote interview he did with Alex Spear over the middle of the summer, I believe. Which I mean, like that's not, it was just, that's not quotes, just quotes. Um, which, you know, he picked out, which were put together by, you know, whatever the team is there. No disrespect to Alex Spear, but you know, we know John Henry owns the paper. He's putting out what he wants to put out in that article. Um, but to, to Chris's point, I, I don't care so much where it's like, Oh, I want him to be there to answer the tough questions for me. It's more just showing that you give a shit. You know, like I, I get that you're you're a billionaire. Like the Red Sox, like if the Red Sox brought in zero dollars, John Henry is still living just fine. Uh, if the Red Sox were a net negative for him, he's living just fine. Uh, so it's not like life or death for him. But optically, especially during these times when the Mookie Betts thing happens, another last play season. And Xander Bogarts, who has been here since 2013, even way back before that, but at the big league level since 2013, um, you should show face. And it's not even like I'm saying uh, it's unacceptable and you got to face the music. Like, I'm not saying he's got to stand up there so that he can get shit on by reporters. I'm sure that that's what they would love to do. For me as a fan, as a consumer of your product, Mr. Henry. 
uh, it would come off more. Uh, it would make me feel better knowing that you care enough to show face. Because when you don't show face for years, which is crazy, you own the Boston Red Sox. Like that, like it's, it's not just like a fun little side project in your portfolio. It's the fucking Boston Red Sox. Like probably the number two team in Major League Baseball in terms of like brand awareness, brand strength, value. Um, I mean, probably the next, probably the Dodgers, number two, uh, Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs. But you're talking about one of the most famous franchises in professional sports history. You're the owner of that team and you haven't even shown face around here in years. Crazy, crazy. So again, it's not that I want him to go up there and just get absolutely roasted by fucking Johnny. You know, again, the first question in there. It's more just it would make me feel better to know that you still have that competitive fire that you're that you care enough to show up and address like at least because because back to my point earlier, you know the people that are coming from High Bloom and it's like oh you know you're fucking Tampa this and that you're you know you suck. It, this is a John Henry thing, and it's almost like it, it, if if John Henry has no intention of paying Xander Bogarts or Rafael Devers, it's almost perfect. You, you hire the dude from Tampa and everyone knows that Tampa's cheap. Then he comes to Boston. And he, he lets all the fucking big money guys go and everyone's like, oh, they're just going to they're just going to shit on this guy. That's awesome. It's my decision. The reason why they're not here is it's totally me. Like, but yeah, if you guys want to fucking tear this guy apart, go for it. Uh, so yeah, it, it just it, he should at least be meeting with the media, finding a platform doesn't have to be at the end of year press conference, find some outlet to kind of calm the masses. Like, hey, we still care. We still give a fuck about this franchise. Just, I think the end of the year presser is the spot. Like, if you finish in last place and you failed, like your organization after being the ALCS, you said you had championship, you know, hopes in 2022. You went over the luxury tax. It was stupid to stay over, but you went over which... In this sport, we know in this system tells you you were trying to push in to win a championship. You failed. You came in last place. You should be there to, you know, take some kind of responsibility to admit where things are. You're watching Sam Kennedy like fight back and forth with reporters over whether you're actually caring or still involved and how much you're into this. Like that's a bad look when you could close that door just by being there, just by being visible, by just fielding some questions. And I think it goes back to there's some weird scaredness of, and I know, listen, the sports hub has been part of it, of mocking and making him look stupid, him coming off and being another John Henry meme that's been there. I, I can understand it, but dude, you need to take some accountability here because you're just continuing to send your soldiers out again and again to fight mm-hmm. the fire. And like you said, when you own the Boston Red Sox, when you're one of the most important in you know, Fenway Sports Group as a whole, where you're this massive sports you know, entity that goes international, and obviously they're selling Liverpool now, but you're out here to this degree, you should be able to at least show your face and be able to say, no, this is still important to me to stop some of those narratives, to show how much you care. Because let's be real. What's the one thing we've heard from John Henry and Tom Warner really in the last two months? It came from Eck, who, you know, in those last couple of games was saying they were so angry when they were talking to us about the 2022 season and how it all went. Fucking awesome that you can do that in front of those guys. Why can't you do that while speaking to the media? Why can't you do that in some kind of, you know, interview, something just to show the fans that you still care? If there's a narrative 
gaining and gaining and getting bigger and bigger. And you're just letting it, you know, grow and kind of take over the Red Sox where, you know, people, whether you want to talk about Jeff Passan or whoever may be making these big spender lists and you're nowhere near on them. No one's attaching you to any big free agents anymore. Like, where do you care to make sure that that narrative is disproven, that you're showing you're still, you know, as passionate about this? Because I think, and I was part of this group a year ago or two years ago that were saying like, well, you know, where they were in their competitive cycle, it wasn't time to spend yet. Well, the 2022 season was your time to spend and you chose not to spend the way you needed to. You know, you went a couple million over the luxury tax. The Philly spent more than you. You should have been up there, at least with where the Yankees were at. When you have legitimate holes in your team, there's no answer for that. None whatsoever. It's not hard to be visible. It's not hard to be present. No one's asking John Henry to go up there and say, I'm going to do this. I want this and I want that. You don't need the solutions. Just have accountability. Be visible for one of the most important teams in all of sports. And he hasn't done that for years. It's not one year. It's not one bad year where he said, "Ah, I don't want to be around years. That's inexcusable. That shows there's some kind of disconnect there. And that's hard for these fans to swallow because when you guys showed up here, you were the opposite of that. Like you were the complete opposite. You wanted to be visible. You made it clear how much the Red Sox meant to you. It was everything to bring a championship to the city. That was your one goal. Where is that now? It's great. You've won your four championships. You deserve your credit for them. But hey, sports, all this, when you're not winning and when things are going wrong, especially, it's a new day, man. People get fired. Things turn very quickly in the sports world. You know, the narrative changes. Fans feel one way. You got to answer for it. It's not that hard. I think people are just asking for visibility. And I'd love to know a reason why not. Where, why, what is your reasoning? Instead of Sam Kennedy just saying, oh, they're as involved as ever. You know, there's just, they're just not here today. You know, it's just what it is. Why? Yeah. Give me a reason. Yeah, and, and, and I think my point of view on all this comes off less spoiled than I think than like Yankee fans. Are like if, you, if we don't win the World Series, it's a failure. Like, well, you're a failure all the fucking time. For me. I'm not sitting here being like, we need to win a World Series every fucking year or it's a failure. That's not what I'm asking of this ownership group. It's really not. All I, it's almost like, it's almost like when you have a kid and you're like, yeah, okay, you bring me back a report card and it's all C's. I just need to know that you're trying. Like, I need to know that you're, you're doing your homework, you're studying, you're at least like making an effort. Like you want to be an A student, an A student. If you're a C student, that's fine. Because if that's, if that's the best you can do, then that's the best you can do. But with the Red Sox, I'm not asking them every offseason to spend half a billion dollars. Like, go for it. Go for the fucking throat every offseason, every trade deadline. That's not what I'm asking. I just want to know that you're trying. Like, I feel like, you know, the, the past couple of years, I don't know that with all of the resources that the Red Sox have, I don't know that they can look themselves in the mirror and say, hey, we, we, fuck, we tried, man. Like, we, we went for it. I don't think that they can say that to themselves, honestly. And I know that some people are probably listening to this being, well, what do you want them to do, Jared? You want them to be Dave Dombrowski and just trade the farm every single year and just have a barren wasteland of prospects and just go for it? That's not what I'm saying. But can you say that, like, I mean, I keep bringing this example up every single time. Kevin Gosman. You didn't even fucking call the guy. You didn't even call him. Dude, dude's been fucking great ever since. I mean, he's been great for years, even before he signed with Toronto. But he's been good for the Blue Jays. He's been great for the Blue Jays. You did not even pick up the phone. 
You don't think that uh, Kevin Gosman couldn't have helped the Boston Red Sox this year? Would it have made them any difference? Would they have made the playoffs? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not because I think the injuries were, I'm going to use that excuse. The players don't want to use it. Core doesn't want to use it. That's fine. I'll use it. I think the injuries would have been too much to overcome regardless. That's fine. But that's where it's a tough pill for me to swallow when like a Kyle Schwarber, I think Rob Bradford's podcast had the report about, yeah, they offered me three years, 39 million. What the f- like? What the fuck is that? You better you're better off just not even picking up the phone. He signed for what? Fucking uh, five years, seventy nine million. Yeah, but four not four years, seventy nine. You're not even in the fucking conversation. Don't even pick up the phone. Like the Red Sox have this. They just it, they have this this kink. They just they, they get fucking boners by insulting players. It's crazy. Like just don't even pick up. Oh, your best offer to Xander Bogarts is one year, thirty million. That's the best you got. Don't even pick up the fucking phone because then when you realize what a huge mistake this was, now you're dealing with the player that's pissed off because you insulted him. That's on you. You've just made your job harder because after a last place season, you've got to sit there and be like, well, fuck. If we were in last place with him, what are we going to be without him? Yeah, probably bad. Worse. You know, not a, not a very good baseball team. You're going to want that guy in your lineup every day. Uh, so yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, it's not that I want to win a world. I mean, winning a world series every year would be great. We'd love that. That'd be totally cool. Would be so much fun. It's unrealistic. Um, going for it every year is unrealistic. Just show me a baseline of giving a shit. That's it. And I think like, if, listen, I understand some fans, like after 2019, that people got to 2020, they're like, why aren't the Red Sox spending all this money? They, they should have shelled out for George Springer. It wasn't time. You've been over the luxury tax for two years, right? People who are fans of the game and follow these things get it. 2021, did we, and were there World Series aspirations for that team entering the year? No. And it was fair to get to the trade deadline as the team was kind of up and down. You did enough. You didn't have to push over the luxury tax. This was the first year where you should have done that. And they didn't. And this whole, you know, when you missed that first opportunity to put money on the table, when the Red Sox have always put money on the table during this ownership group, when you could have thrown $8 million out to a reliever so you didn't have whatever garbage you were throwing out where we, the first month of the season, we're just watching them throw games away, throw division games away constantly. When you could have just, you were over the luxury tax, throw seven, $8 million, or even less. Go get a Brad Boxberger just so you have enough arms. There wasn't a person. We said it on the first episode of this pod. You could have heard anywhere. We all knew the bullpen was short. We all knew it because you had to go and make those moves of changing your original plan of having Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock in there. And you had pushed Tanner Houck into the rotation because Chris Sale got hurt. You never did anything to make up for this stuff. You knew that you needed help in right field. You were talking about getting AJ Pollock. Eh, whatever. You went and saw Travis Shaw, who was retired. <laughs> Who is done? See, hey, it was a fun postseason run. I got to come back to the Sox. You signed him like a week and a half before the season started because you couldn't do anything else at first base. And I get it. There was a lockout, but a lot of other teams weren't in that same position as you were. And you have the funds not to do stuff like that. That's when people really get mad. And to just jump on it as well, this whole boner they get off of insulting players. Austin Riley, right? Like 10 years, 212. He's three years away from free agency. John Heyman, in that article you just quoted, Jared, they said they offered Devers a little bit more. Like, can we please? And I think there's obviously a difference in years there that probably makes the money total similar, but it's a higher AAV. But once again, push negotiations along. Can we get past this point where you're upsetting players 
Can we just treat the players who are here after this whole Mookie Betts situation where, you know, you weren't going to give him 12 years in 420 when he wasn't willing to come down on that offer because he told the MLBPA he was going to go hit free agency and meant something to him. Well, we shouldn't have to go through this with Xander Endeavors. You shouldn't have an offseason where you have so many question marks and so many things you need to figure out. It feels impossible to hit on every single one of them. Yeah. You, it feels like you've, it feels like there was like a school year's worth of homework and you did nothing. You didn't touch, you didn't open your fucking book bag until the last like two nights of the school year. And you said, oh, fuck, I got a whole like four semesters worth of work I need to get done if I'm going to pass this year. That's what it feels like. And now we're watching like they got, a, you know, they got a couple months. They got an off season here, but you have, you know, four semesters worth of work to do in one off season in one yeah. semester. Like you have made life hell for yourself right now. And it just feels like something is going to have to give here. And there's going to be some part of this off season where whether it's Xander leaving, maybe the Devers extension doesn't get done or the team as a whole just isn't where it needs to be competitive wise, where we sit here and say, they just had too many things they had to take care of and they couldn't get well, to all of them or they couldn't successfully do. All I, I think the best comparison here is, I mean, this ownership group has been here since 2002. How old were you in 2002? I was uh, fresh four. four. This ownership group has been here since 2002. It's like being in a marriage like in any other marriage or most marriages, not all marriages that eventually you, you stop having sex. It's like, hey, we've been together for so long. It's just like, yeah, hey, we're just not having sex anymore. So the point where right now, and this sounds pathetic, I would be excited just to hear the Red Sox linked to Aaron Judge. I, I'm not even saying go out and just, sign just tell him. Me you have I'm not saying him. pay him. I'm not saying whatever, be a finalist. Just ha- like ha- seeing one tweet from John Morosi, the Red Sox, the Red Sox are hot and heavy on Aaron Judge right now. That would be like, you know, just. We've been married since 2002. Just stick a finger in my ass one time. What is wrong with that? Like that, not. <laughs> that, is, that is the problem right now is Juan Soto, right? Juan Soto trade rumors. Did the Red Sox have the pieces to get a Juan Soto trade done? Yes, they did. Were they even mentioned once? Were they even like, even when they do like the mystery team, when you have the John Heyman's doing the fucking favors for... Uh, teams being like, well, you know, they're uh, doing favors of Scott Boris. Well, this this guy's a free agent. Uh, you get the Blue Jays, the Giants, and, and the Yankees are involved, but there's also a mystery team. The Red Sox weren't even a fucking... When is the last time that the Red Sox have been linked to a player, like a big name player that wasn't their own that they were about to let go? They're linked to Xander Bogarts because he fucking played here. They were linked to Mookie Betts because he fucking played here. Like, it's just, it's fucking crazy that it, it has been years since someone has put a finger in my ass, Tyler. That's all I want. Just give me a little something. I'm not even saying the full, the full fucking works. Just a little tease. Give me something this off season. I don't, and, and that's what's pathetic about it is that if they don't sign Aaron Judge, I'm not going to be like, whatever. You know, if he goes to the Giants, great. If he stays with the Yankees, good for baseball. Fine. Like, it's not like make or break for this organization to sign or if he goes somewhere else, whatever. Who gives a fuck? I just want to feel that thing again where during the offseason, it's like Christmas. Like, it's, it's December 2nd. You're a little kid and you're wondering for, for weeks, for days, what's going to be under that Christmas tree? I don't know. It's going to be something. 
Like I, I didn't give my parents this long Christmas list. They, you know, Santa's got a guess. Santa fucking knows. Like it's Santa. He's magic. He just, he takes my Christmas list from his brain. He knows he's magical. That's what it feels like or used to feel like was, I don't know what I'm going to get, but I know I'm going to get something pretty fucking cool. Now we've gotten coal for how many fucking years? Just waking up on Christmas morning. Yeah, we got you uh, not even not even a pair of socks. We got you one sock. You, we got you a one fucking sock. You can't even wear it because you need the other one. So basically, you got nothing. Technically, we got you something, but you can't even use it. That's James Paxton. The fuck is that? <laughs> and on top of it, your favorite toys, Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers, like, they, they're taking Xander Bogarts. Like, yeah, uh, you're probably not going to have this toy anymore. Or Raphael Devers, your favorite, the one toy you cannot afford to lose, the one toy that means everything you have. Eh, I'm going to kind of stomp on it a little and we're going to see if it still wants to Xander Bogarts after. would be like, the, you know, you, you, you keep talking about this train set that you're going to get me. Yeah, you, I know how much you love trains. Trust me, we all love trains. Trains are the fucking best. It's so fun. It's so fun. You can do so much with a train set. And then on Christmas morning, it's like, oh, I got you a train set so that I can smash it with a fucking hammer. That's what I'm going to do. That's if they don't sign And, and you know, and you know what you're saying, Jared? You're just saying it in a different way. I think you're saying what Alex Cora was saying at the end of the year presser. Or, you know, right before that, actually, those final games where he talked about urgency and acting quickly and, you know, just being serious, showing conviction to what you want to do. You want to see the Red Sox show conviction to wanting to fucking win. You want to see them go out there and put their balls on the table and say, listen, we can be smart, but we're, we're, we want to win. We don't care. We want to win. We're willing to push our chips and we're going to take care of our players. We're going to pay Xander Bogarts. We're not going to be stopped in our way of winning. Right now, it just feels like we live in a constant state of, eh, okay, we'll see. What's there is there. Sometimes you have to go out there and get what mm-hmm. you want. It feels like it's been a long time since the Red Sox went out there and got mm-hmm. what they want. And people will say, you know, Trevor Story. Yes, they paid Trevor Story. Trevor Story fell to their market, fell to their price, and they capitalized on it. Props to them for spending that money. I want to see the Red Sox see what they want and go and get it. Show me the urgency. Show me the conviction. Show me you're serious, John Henry, Tom Warner, I'm Bloom to some degree. Show me you're serious about trying to win. Don't set me out there with Jackie Bradley Jr. in fucking right field. Travis Shaw attempting to play first base at this point in his career in a bullpen that's clearly short in arms and my starting rotation not having an ace. Once again, yes, he got hurt. And not doing anything to boost yourself up and give this team the chance it needed to win. Don't make the players in that clubhouse feel like they never actually had mm. a real shot. I'm just excited to see people on Red Sox Twitter talking about fingers in their ass in regards to Xander Bogart's free agency. Listen, uh, I think what you said was coming from your heart. And I know you're in a place right now where, you know, you're fragile, mm-hmm. you're vulnerable. And uh, some of those thoughts mm-hmm. come out. And, uh, you know, Thank I'm you. here for you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I hope you get that finger you've been looking for. I know someone out there will make sure you're taken care of. Thank you. Now, we've done a lot of Xander. We've done a lot of Xander Bogarts. There is some, there's, I want to get into the James Oh, Paxton God. All right, hold because on. Before we do that. 
Uh, I want to uh, yeah, go ahead. Go Our ahead. next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 actually, what was that, June-ish? It was, I think it was before we went to Chicago. Yeah. So probably like mid-June. Wanted better gut health, more energy. Been on it for a few months now. I feel great. Amazing even. So people are like, what is it? What even is it, my good sir? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. I used to take like gummy vitamins. Don't have to do that anymore. It's all in there. I do uh, like a liquid breakfast just to get something heavy in my stomach. But then it's like you take a little bit of AG1 and you're like, oh, I feel, I, feel like a health, I feel like I'm making a healthy person decision right now. And that's how you're supposed to feel. Doing all these podcasts, all the games that we were watching, the travel. It's like you want to make sure that you've got the energy, that you've got the, the fuel to take on your day. The best part, costs you less than $3 a day. My coffee is like six fifty. This costs you three bucks a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper, like I said, than your cold brew habit. Supports better sleep quality, which we all could use, and recovery, which is clutch. Right now, it is time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system, which again, it's that time of the year. Tyler's sick. Hasn't been taking his AG1. I feel fine. I, I, like I said, I usually get sick at the end of the year. I feel great. And you know what? Now, now it's all starting to click because I've been saying this to a bunch of people because you know, I usually get run down at the end of a baseball season. I'm just like dragging myself to the finish line at the end of the World Series. And I was like, yeah, I, uh, I feel this is the best that I've felt at the end of a season in my life doing this professionally. Usually by the time we get to the end of the World Series, I'm like, oh God. And you, I, I'll sleep for days just to, just to get a, an ounce of energy back after just getting totally burnt out at the end of the year, I feel fine. Like there's right now, there's no difference between how I felt right now and like in May, which is incredible. I literally, honestly have never felt that way before. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune system-supporting uh, vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Shout out to AG1. I mean, I think a big part of that also was just working at DraftKings. Um, I mean, I got to take control of my schedule, really. Not that I was, I, I was probably doing more. Instead of like doing less, I was doing more, but I was doing more of what I wanted to do. I felt more fulfilled this year. I feel like we did more. And next year, I already have way bigger plans for this show, for Baseball's Dead. I got way bigger plans for next year. I want to be doing more meet and greet live show type, not even like live shows, because if the Red Sox suck, I have no interest in doing a live show. I'm just going to say that right now. Sorry. Like, I, <laughs> I just, I have no interest in doing a live show if the Red Sox suck, but doing those watch parties, 
who cares? I mean, you're like Pat Light is dishing out the the fucking shots all night long. Like it's a good time. Like we should be doing that once a month or whatever. Like those are good times. We're gonna be doing more of those uh, interviews. We're gonna be doing a ton of those this off season. I think I'm gonna be reaching out to more people because a lot of the the interviews that we have are are on Section Ten. They weren't on Name Redacted. So I'm gonna be reaching out to some of my pals. We're gonna be doing. Uh, the interviews this offseason and then next season be way more proactive about getting active players on the podcast, which means getting in there early because the later in the season it gets, the more the Red Sox suck, the less that players want to do stuff like this. So April, just fucking hammering out the interviews. And uh, yeah, we're going to get this this podcast to the next level because, um, you know, it's uh, it deserves that. The listeners deserve that. I think the listeners miss that. A lot of people are like, oh, I miss Section 10. I miss Section 10 too. Tyler's fucking great. Jake's fucking great. You know, we'll get Coley back in the mix when we can. I heard Steve got fucking fired. So maybe maybe we can get Steve back oh. in here. Steve was the first person that I thought of when they, they rolled out the pay for the blue check. So Steve, the thing you need to know about Steve, right? His brother, way more talented than Steve. He works in like the filmmaking industry. His brother is verified and it always tickled me that he would never admit it deep down and that killed him, that his brother was verified, oh. but Steve was not. The second that they roll out the pay eight bucks a month for the fucking blue check mark, Steve was like, take my credit card here. I, can I put a down payment on the next 20 years of blue checks? And uh, so now he's not the only Peralt with a blue check, um, but still not the most talented. No. His brother is far more talented than him. Uh, are you judging people who have paid for the... Uh, I know you did it. I know, I know that's why you're like, asking. No, no. That is no, why no. you're asking. I didn't. I, that's no, why you're asking. That's not why I'm asking. Please, nobody... No, it it's is. not. Um, it just happened that day that my connection came through and hooked me up, and I am now verified on Twitter. You just... Don't click I'm on it, please. click on it right now. Um, but are, are you... Are, no, please. Click on it. Uh, are you one of the people judging? Or do you feel... Is it lame that I did it? Uh, no, it's annoying... For me, because uh, I use like now that you're verified, I don't know if, if the people that pay for it have the same setup, but it's like it's your mentions, it's your all, it's your mentions, and then there's a verified tab. So I would look at the verifies to see like, you know, is there anyone like important engaging here? And then you have all like the, the main mentions is just a bunch of fucking nonsense. It's people arguing with each other, like having full-blown conversations for days where I'm still tagged in the fucking conversation. Uh, so now it's like, I'll, I'll send a tweet out and then I'll look at the verified tab and there's just, there's no difference between the verified tab and the regular column now because everyone's just getting verified. So that part is annoying. Uh, obviously when you have people pretending to be athletes and tweeting things or pretending to be reporters, that's fucking annoying because especially during this time of the year. When it's free agent season, it's hot stove season for baseball. Now I have to like triple check every account before I quote tweet something, especially when you're a Red Sox fan, you're on the edge of your seat trying to figure out what's going on with Devers and Bogarts. That's annoying. Um, But yeah, from like the whole, you know, like, oh, we're we're first class on the Titanic because we had blue checks and now steerage has blue checks. Like, no, I don't give a fuck about that. Like, you know, it is it is what if you really if you really want that blue check. Like I remember, I remember when I first got my blue check, I had like 50K followers. My mom made me a cake that said like 50K and then it had like the blue check on it. She makes me a cake for every 100,000. 
So I think my first cake was 50, then it was 100, then it was 200, then it was 300, and then it was 400. So she made me a blue check combined with 50K cake. And that's what started the cakes, the milestone cakes. So I know that there is, but I also, I would want to, I would want to like wake up one day and see it. Like I wouldn't, I, I would feel, I would feel like I didn't earn this. It's just, you, you see it. It's cool. That's, it's cool. Like if you were to like go to a bar and be like, yeah, by the way, I'm, I'm verified. But then eventually everyone's just going to know like, oh, everyone's verified. Who cares? Like, I feel like the kid that like their dad got them on like the travel team. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like my dad do. It's like the people that bought and, like, followers. The, yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know. It, it. I bought it. I was sitting there at work and like I saw the you know notifications that started popping up. Everyone was like, oh, you can do it now. I was like, fuck it. You know, I've tried for people who know have tried to like become verified. And I think they got rid of this process now. But I would go through and you try like the three different categories to submit like a verification. You're like, oh, like entertainer, sports journalist, yada, yada, yada. Every single time, it's straight up be like, you don't have enough followers, which is such a kick in the dick where you just, you know, you sit there and your confidence would go down. You'd be like, damn. But I think for anyone who's in this game, the day you get verified is supposed to be mm-hmm. a special day. Like like you said, like it's a cake worthy event. That's supposed to be kind of your, you know, they're tipping the cap to you. Like mm-hmm. you're legit. You're You're someone who's important. And after I did it, I don't know. I felt. I I don't I didn't my mom like fucking kicked my dad out. She's like, you you have a blue check. You got verified. It was like it was like getting into college like they were because I didn't even get into a real college. I went to a fucking community college. So like I never really (laughs) had that like day where my parents were like super excited for something that I did back then. Uh, so yeah, like I remember my mom came into my room. She's like, you got you got verified. And I was like, get the fucking cakes ready, baby. Let's go. And that's the thing. Like my sister, she's not like super social media or whatever, but she like texted me. She's like, oh my God, you're verified. And like, I had to be like, I yeah. paid for that shit. Like, that's embarrassing yeah. as fuck. And now I've kind of just, it's on there now. And in reality, the reason I'm going to keep it is because two weeks from now, when like whatever, we're in a whole different space and nobody even thinks about this shit anymore. No one's going to care enough to click on the verification badge to tell you whether it's the legit one or the paid for one. So I think it's good from a business standpoint, but I feel like I robbed myself of you a did. special moment and I am and I'm kind of sitting there and I'm I yeah. took a shortcut. I I kind of used sticky you did. stuff and well I'm a, there's a little gear kind of sort of like you took I guess like you you took steroids and and broke Roger Maris's record. So like you know deep down like you didn't earn it and then whatever. But like sticky stuff it's like you're still a fucking nasty pitcher. Like you can would do that. But it would be like if if, if, I, if I, I like I'm at like 420 something followers, if I like bought 75k followers to get to 500, and I was like half a million, baby, let's go. And it's like, well, no, no. But at the same time, I also, and you know, no disrespect to Steve, but you know, Steve has way more followers than I do. He has like 50,000 or something like that. I'm like, if someone like Steve is willing to do it, and he has way more followers than I do, so like. Is that really that bad? So of a look I worked on me? in before before I got my job at Barstool. Actually, no, I was part time at Barstool before I went full time at Barstool. I worked at an SEO company, which is search engine optimization, and the whole point was to do things for clients to have them show up higher in the Google rankings. It was like businesses that wanted like when you search like Boston furniture that you want it to be one of the top results like on that first page. Like those those companies on that first page. We're like, those are the ones that were getting all the business. 
So there are white hat things to do and there are black hat things to do. Black hat things to do would be like they're, they're scummy things to do that are illegal and Google will know and they'll penalize you. So like, yes, it'll help in the short term, but over the long term, uh, you can like drop down even further. So there were only, like, you could only do like white hat things to help out these clients. So what you do, you'll like post tons of videos, content. You're on a podcast, like post on. That's more white hat. What Steve does is he just replies to everyone, which is like black hat. <laughs> like Steve, Steve okay. will just like every Red Sox stats tweet, he's in the fucking replies. Every ESPN tweet, he's in the replies. Every like Red Sox and MLB tweet, he's in the replies. It's it works. Like it gets people to like you know if you have enough favorites, then you'll pop up at the top and people will see your page. They'll click on it and they'll follow you. So like it works, but it's kind of like. We know what you're doing. You're not re- you're not replying because you actually have a thought and want to contribute to the conversation. You're just trying to show up in the replies so that people follow you. It works, but you're 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 out there grinding. So I think uh, like Steve deserves to be verified. I, I don't know how or why he wasn't verified. Um, it's like they pick certain people. It got sometimes. harder over like, the years. I know, pe- like, and some people like I, you know I don't know. People who are in the industry know some people have the right hookup. And I know people who have the right hookup who've been like, yeah, I spoke to them and I was verified like a week later. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's having the right connection. I'm a boy from Brockton. I got no connection. Yeah. So I felt like, you know, and the way I look at it is the way you describe this, you know, kind of white cap, black cap kind of idea. Maybe I just kind of got to treat it like Andy Pettit, where I... I think everyone respects me and I've put a lot you of time in. You deserve to be verified. And I did, some, I, I did something wrong and I think I can you know, mm-hmm. admit it. But since I admitted it, I can move forward and hopefully the respect still stays. Yeah. Like I think, I think Steve should be verified without having to pay for it. And I think that you should be verified without having to pay for it. A lot of times it's about where you work. Like I think in 2015. Yeah. I think it was like, I don't even think that I got verified because of Barstool. I wasn't even full time yet when I got verified. I think it was because I was doing TV with Comcast. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think my Instagram got verified because of Barstool, but I think my Twitter was because of NBC Sports Boston or Comcast Sports New England, whatever the fuck. I will say there's a like for the people, the sports hub, a lot of people, that connection has been the one that's hooked them up to get verified. For whatever reason, I have not had that same connection. So here I am. I, I took a shortcut. I think the memes are funny. If you want to clown on me, please do. No, you but, deserve uh, it. I deserve you're, it. You're, you, know what? you know what? You know who you are? And maybe you don't love this comparison. Oh, don't, maybe you're don't. not going to love this comparison, say? Tyler. Okay. And I say this about Steve, too. You're, you're in the same boat. Oh, you're no. in the same boat here. You guys are the Houston Astros. You cheated, you cheated, but you didn't need to. You were good enough, you were good enough to win without it. That's a compliment. That's a compliment. You could have won a World Series without having to cheat. And Steve could too. Now I have to live with that. Now you have to live with that because now everyone knows too. Like it's, you're the Houston Astros in 2019, not 2017. So you don't even really get the glory. It's kind of just like, well, we know, we know now. This is no, bad. it's good. This is no, it's good. No, it's good. Scenario. No, it's good no. because guess what? I, I don't think no, I'm because guess what? From this. What? I mean, they're probably going to like eventually fix this system. Like, if if anything, no, that's even more embarrassing. No, if no, it gets no. Stripped. No, no, no. I'm saying 
if if you paid for it, your check should be a different color. So you can like differentiate like this. Like if it's a green check, well, that person paid for his check, but he, it's still a check. But it, it would have to be a blue check because it's called Twitter blue. I don't know. There, It's a whole fucking thing. But like the blue check was like, those were like the real ones. Maybe that turns to like a black check. It's like, yeah, those were like the OG check marks. And then you have the people that paid for it. That's Twitter blue. It's a blue check or it's a green check because they paid for it. This sounds like an asterisk. Uh, it is. I, I, I it is an asterisk. That. But it, at the same time, you could have won the championship without without having to to cheat. Steve could have too. The pressure of the game got to me. And you guys are right on the doorstep. It's like you know. I feel like you you. I feel like you both should have already had the blue check. Like you have the affiliation to the sports hub. Steve had Odyssey. Coley's not even fucking verified. Che- uh, yeah, that's someone who, like, without a doubt. But see, like, I feel like Coley, like, I look at Coley, Coley's never going to pay no. for Twitter blue. And, like, and I think that's where I look at it, and I'm like... Well, Coley doesn't care. I deserve... I deserve Coley doesn't I give care. a shit. It, and I think, he probably doesn't even want to be I hurt. think that shows I care. I, I care too much. And that's what leads to being that. So, here's, here's why it had value, is because when people would discover your page, they would see that you're verified, and, and they would be more likely to follow, because they're like, oh, this person's, like, a legit whatever. But now, if everyone has it, it kind of like loses its luster. Like it's no longer uh, they, like, oh, this person's verified. Like I should follow them. It's like, oh, well, he paid it eight dollars for it. I'm just gonna make a public apology. Go ahead. I, I think that's what it is. I'm so, I'm sorry to the people for who I let down who believed in me, who have followed. Wow, wow. You didn't I have didn't to do that. These are the people. These are the people that you're apologizing to. Oh, the people. All right. P- please just let it keep going. But uh, for the people that followed my career and followed my journey and really held out hope that I would stay noble and that I wouldn't uh, ever go into this life of shortcuts and doing these things, I-, I let you down. You know, and I know we hold a lot of people accountable on this podcast, especially Pat, for some of his mm-hmm. actions and the way he's behaved. Maybe I need to be suspended. Maybe I maybe that kind of punishment needs to be put on my head. Yep. There it is. I hope maybe by the next podcast these chants can change and people can look at me again as a respectable figure. And not as someone who paid eight dollars to get verified because they wanted to look Jake, cool. how do you feel about this? I mean, yeah, he he deserves it. Tyler, you deserve <laughs> it, but I mean, come on. Yeah, it's a tough spot because, like, again, I wholeheartedly feel this way. Tyler should already have it. Steve should already have it. But it's just different. It's just different when you when you get it the back door way. Maybe like my redemption story can be like, I wonder if you're already verified like I am now, right? Like with my fake verification, can I get real verified? Is is that yeah, possible so. once you get fake I think verified? They're like ta- like so, the people that are already real verified, I'm pretty sure like in 90 days they're taking it away. So then they're probably going to come up with something like you were saying earlier, like a new way of showing when someone's think, legit. Like if everyone has to pay for, you know, the blue verification, there's going to be a way to like they had that little official thing for like five hours, like what, yesterday, two days ago? I think. Do they bring that back? The, the Celtics team account had something on it where it's like you had it jared i saw it on your what did i have 
the anyone who had a real blue yeah. check mark, like the legit one, it said official like under your bio. Oh, I don't, I didn't see that. And then they like cut it like within five hours or whatever it was. But I think it was the Celtics Twitter that posted a picture. Huh. Interesting. Jake, do you have the blue check right now? I don't have it now. Jake, you should get it. So I feel less bad about myself. I feel you, but I just like, it's just going to be annoying having to figure out if people are trolling or not. And, all the parody accounts are just going to capitalize on it. That's what's going to happen. We're going to get fooled really bad at some point. This I'm not going to let it happen. Not to me. I'm going to triple check everything. Uh, Jared, uh, have you been fooled before? Has anyone ever gotten you really bad? Not on like a report, but I think, what was it? The, uh, the New York Porch Sports account. Oh, <laughs> when it was like very new, like it was like brand new. I quote tweeted it and it was obviously like fake. Now I know like if I think it, that it's like New York post sports or whatever the fuck is the real one. Uh, now I know to check, but there was one where it was like a fake quote and I quote tweeted it and I ate the trash. I respect you for, or I respect you for owning yeah. up to that. that. That is a little embarrassing. It is. It like, it is hey. more so now, but like back then, most people that saw it didn't know that it was fake either. But like now, okay. if you're like on baseball Twitter, you know that that you know of that account. So like we can all laugh together at the people that think that it's real. But back then, it was so new that most people didn't know that it was fake. Well, we don't want to excuse it away. Yeah, no, I I fucked up. Thank you. <laughs> Similar to how I fucked up. Well, no, you blatantly cheated. No, we we blatantly fucked up together. I don't know if that's true. So the lesson to take from this is we all make mistakes. And no mistake is worse or, you know, badder no, than the other. We're just all, no, we're just all imperfect. Yours is worse and, because you had to pay my, you know, we, my, my mistake was free. Cut this out, Jake. <laughs> Can we talk about James Paxson? Yeah. <sighs> Nobody's ever said that before. Let's in the talk about James Paxton. Will that make you happy? Will that will that make you feel better about um about being an embarrassment? Yes, because I have a theory I'm currently working out here with the Red Sox rotation for 2023. Yeah, I saw on the Section 10 Twitter, no, Reddit, that um people were expecting me to go off about Garrett Whitlock going back to the rotation, which you would be correct. <laughs> I fucking hate that it's not gonna work it didn't work this time it's not gonna work uh next time but right now you're looking at a depth chart of james paxton as your third starter chris sale nick pavetta james paxton brian bayo and garrett whitlock is your rotation if the season started today how does that make you feel you got work to do <laughs> you, you need a frontline starter no matter what you, i don't care what anybody says but i think the way I'm viewing it right now, I think the Red Sox are going to go six-man rotation to start the year. And I think they're going to be willing to take it from you there. Think? And this is where I'm getting it from. Uh, yes, I'm looking at the Astros, right, who ran a six-man rotation this year. Look at the similarities between them and the Red Sox right now, just in terms of the arms. Justin Verlander had not pitched in two years. Coming off Tommy John surgery, they needed a way to kind of ease him in. Garrett Whitlock, 
going from reliever to starter. There was a guy in a very similar spot this year in Christian Javier, who really wasn't even fully transitioned mm-hmm. into a starter until later in April. In order to keep those guys healthy and keep those arms fresh, they went six-man rotation all the way through. They even had you know Lance McCullers step in later on in the summer once he fully got healthy. I think if you're the Red Sox right now and you had James Paxson opt in, I don't think they expected him to. I think, like many people, we all thought he would at least be able to get $4 million plus some incentives. Scott Boris went out and said he just feels comfortable with the medical staff. I think if the Red Sox have any hope where they've already committed to Garrett Whitlock being in the rotation for 2023, it makes sense because Chris Sale, what, maybe 100 innings this year? Best case scenario. James Paxson. Yeah, James Paxson hasn't pitched since 2019. Maybe 100 innings this year. Garrett Whitlock, reliever, has never got close to 100 innings in the big leagues. Maybe you get that out of him. I think six starters, plus you're going to have to shuffle guys are going to spend time on the IL. This might be the only way for you to get through the season with these arms. And I think you look at James Click, who, you know, the Bloom connection. Bloom got James Click hired in Tampa Bay when they both wrote for Baseball Prospectus. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're looking at those minds and some of the roster building, I think that's the path this Red Sox team may go down and why we're seeing them touch on these arms. And this goes to them giving Nate Evaldi the QO today. We know they still need another starter beyond that. Is this the way you can get there? And maybe that leads to, you know, a Nick Pavetta trade as well. Cause you know, we're deep on arms. If say just Nate Evaldi picks up that qualifying offer, like you said, we're already six arms deep here. Do you think he takes it? Um, no, I, I think within, you know, the next 10 days when he has to accept, we find out he accepted a two or three year deal with the Red Sox for like 14 to 16 a year. Yeah. Where he says, you know, I'm not going to get the full 19 salary, of course, but I'm going to get a couple years locked in here. Could be my last multi-year contract. I, Pete put it in there that he just bought a house here in Boston. I think well, that Pete plays an element idiot. into this, and that could be correct. Is. But and then I just want that to be known. Oh, it's clear. And then Spear as well said they were having negotiations as late as last night oh. over a multi-year extension. So, by the way, that's where I would Nathan of all the eleven years in the big league. So, like, even like the he's yeah. So he already has his ten-year service. He's already like secured the pension. So that's why, like, I kind of looked at the one year for 19 being like, all right, well, you know, let's get some, some money here. Cause I think when you, if he were eight years in the big leagues, then you take the years. Cause like, I want to guarantee that I get that fucking big league pension. Yeah. It, I think for where Evaldi is right now, getting that pension is obviously the biggest thing for a major leaguer. But at the same time, we know how much Boston means to him as bad as some, you know, we remember the Kevin Pawecki situation at the end of the year and some of those comments. He never really stopped saying how much he wants to be here and what it means for him to be here. And I think, you know, Chris Sale is supposed to be the leader, the ace of the staff. He hasn't been around, so he can't be that guy. Who's been the guy around this team over these years and really matured into that guy? Someone who helped take Brian Bayo under his wing, as we heard. It's Nate Evaldi. Kevin Pawecki talked about how much Nate Evaldi means to this team. I think he will be here and I was happy that they chose him over Waka. I had tweeted it out the last, you know, couple of weeks or really going back to September that I wanted Evaldi over Waka, but I don't know. I was surprised that some people were as upset about that as they were. Like as in like they wanted both or they would have chosen Waka over Nate. 
I think most of us or most people understood that, like, you know, you probably weren't going to get both, especially once Paxton locked in and the way everything was shaping up. Bayo breaking out in September. I think if when we were having these conversations in August and stuff, you know, Bayo hadn't put together a stretch in the big leagues that was significant. Now we know he's part of the plans for 2023. Uh, you know, doesn't have to start the year in AAA. But there were a lot of people who think Nate's wash and Waka breaking out this year was the sign that it's time to move on to the next guy. I, I just think when you look at like Waka versus Avaldi, the ceiling with Avaldi is just something Waka can't yeah. replicate. And Nate's also two years older. He's going into his age 33 season, Waka going into his age 31 season. And the other angle I add to this, and people were like, oh, well, why do you keep saying Michael Waka is going to regress? There's stuff in there that points to serious regression. And I know people are saying, oh, well, you had a 332 ERA. Okay. The FIP, we always talk about me and the FIP. The FIP's 414. It's a 456 expected ERA. He made 23 starts. That's only a couple more than Evaldi. Waka still went on the IL multiple times. And you dive deeper, his BABIP was 260 on the year. 300 is league average. It's 298 for Waka's career. So he was having some luck with where the balls were going. Yes, the defense improved for the Red Sox. Partially helped with that. But still, 260 is significantly low. Waka's left on base percentage, 80.3%. That's a ridiculously high number. 72% is league average. So you're talking about a guy who got, you know, got and escaped with a lot of guys left on base. And, you know, you can allow some of that if you're a big strikeout guy. We all know Michael Walker isn't missing a ton of bats. That's just the reality of it. Even in Avaldi's worst year, he was still a 380 ERA guy. And his metrics aren't great from this past year, but he wasn't healthy. If I'm telling you, you get fully healthy Nate Avaldi going into 2023, a guy who anchored your rotation in 2021, had the best FIP in all the American League and finished in fourth in Cy Young voting, has a 314 ERA and 43 postseason innings in his career. Who are you taking a bet on? And I think you're going to lean Evaldi, especially because if the Red Sox want to compete this year, I think you need more of that high-end talent. I think you need more of those guys that can kind of step up here, especially when they both have the same injury concerns. Um, Like, can't you honestly go and say Evaldi's floor? Like, if you're looking at Walken saying, all right, it looks like there was a lot of luck and he's closer to a four ERA guy. I think we saw Evaldi's floor this year and it's that. Yeah. I just think that one, at least one of those guys is, is going to the Texas Rangers. At least one. Following uh, Jacob mm-hmm. DeGrom? The Rangers are going all in on arms this winter. So... Those would be two guys that I would look at, if not both. Would you, if you had to look into the future, do you think Evaldi is in Boston in 2023? Um, yes. Yeah. For one year multiple. or for multiple? Two or three. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. on the same page. I think that's what it's going to be. And I know some people are going to be upset about Waka. It's just, you can give credit to the signing, credit to Heim Bloom for that move. It's just, there is a level of Valdi can reach that Waka, no offense to him, just the stuff and everything within itself, he yeah. hasn't reached, uh, at least since very early in his career. And it all has to do with the Valdi being healthy. But I'm guessing the Red Sox don't extend this qualifying offer unless they believe 
his velocity will be back in 2020. Yeah. I mean, you, you put it this way. Love Michael Walker. Would love for him to come back. Don't feel like he's going to. That's okay. If it's game one of the playoffs, I know what I'm getting from Nate. Like, I know that I'm getting That's a fucking it. dog out there. Like, there's not a lot of dogs out there on the starting pitching market. And the ones that are out there, they're either super expensive, old as fuck, or both. So, with Nate, you're getting a dude that you know can perform here. You're getting a dude that is not, you're not going to have to break the bank necessarily for. Uh, and you're getting a guy that wants to be here. Like, what other box do you need to check besides the health one? But it's not like he's been the, uh, the mark of consistency w- as far as health goes the entire time he's been here. You just you take what you get from him, and, and usually it's really fucking good. That's it. And say what you want. If you're sitting here busting fluids because Michael Walker's 23 starts, if Nate Evaldi does that in his you know, injury plague season where he legit loses three, four miles per hour off three, four miles per hour off his fastball. It's not that hard of an equation to figure out. It isn't. When you hold those other things with Nate, what he means to the clubhouse, how Alex Cora views him, all these different things, like it's pretty easy to put that equation yeah. together. What is your thought on James Paxson? This this whole tangent was about James Paxson. We haven't even fucking talked about him. Yeah, I think I think it's more the view, like what James Paxson opting in means. Because now you have two arms on your starting rotation or starting caliber arms that are, haven't pitched in years. There's really only way to kind one way to ease those arms in without killing everybody else. And I think that's where the six man rotation thing comes in. Like people want to say, well, do you think Paxson's taking the deal because his elbows cooked? No, I fucking don't because he was just in for a physical with the Red Sox. They just looked at his elbow and they said everything looks normal. He seems fine. Yeah, you know, the velocity was there. They liked how the rehab went. I just think it's one of those things where you've been rehabbing with a team for an entire year. They know what's up with your arm and what you kind of need to get where you need to go. It's much easier to stay in that place than bring, you know, all that to a new spot where they're not familiar with your rehab process. Um, I think it's the safe route probably for someone like him who he's made money. You know, he's not a guy who's just trying to get by and needs to claw every dollar out. So, uh, I will, can I be negative for a second? Okay. Go ahead. Let's revisit that depth chart. Chris Sale essentially has not pitched in like two years. Really? Uh, you could even say like, he hasn't pitched like the last three years. Uh, Nick Pavetta. Yeah. Was not good enough to make your playoff rotation. James Paxton has not pitched in two years, three years. Brian Bayo. Is he retaining rookie status? Okay. No. Essentially, he's never pitched a full season in the big leagues. And then Garrett Whitlock is a reliever, is a rule five draft pick. All due respect to him. Very, very good pitcher, but a rule five guy as of a couple of years ago, who is a reliever, who is a failed starter reliever now starter again who has also never pitched a full season as a starter ladies and gentlemen your 2023 boston red sox okay i i think the field starter thing with garrett it's not it, that, no far. it's not it no nope, it's not let's, let's have, have the conversation let's have the yeah, conversation you want to talk about all the fucking nerdy, the nerdy stats like, look at the whiff rate i do it, it's I, 
Jared, I remember, I remember going through the numbers, Bad. but I think context is very Give important in this conversation. It was nine starts. Remember, four fifteen ERA, three sixty FIP, and we saw with Whitlock the stuff went down because he wasn't healthy. We haven't seen fully healthy Garrett Whitlock coming from an off season, fully built up as a starter, do his thing. And as we saw in the minor leagues, like I keep seeing the Daniel Bard like Garrett Whitlock comparison, and it fucking drives That's me stupid. insane. I agree. With Garrett that. Whitlock was a yeah, Garrett Whitlock was a starter. Daniel Bard started his first year in the minors. It was done after that. He was a two-pitch guy. Everyone knew he was a reliever. Everyone knew the command issues he had. Garrett Whitlock was starting all the way up until double-A, and he got hurt. If he wasn't a Rule 5 draft pick, he would have been starting in triple-A for the Yankees. And for the Red Sox as a whole, when they signed him to that extension, it was to be a starter. They believed that's how they were going to get the maximum value. And me saying this isn't telling you the Red Sox didn't fuck it up last year. They fucked it up because the way they built their roster, he needed to be in their bullpen. They didn't properly handle that situation. But I think when we've watched Garrett Whitlock, no one's ever doubted the arsenal would work. You know, he has a true three pitch mix. It's there. It's just we saw a guy who was run down all the way until his last start against what? What was it? The Angels when he was limping around and he couldn't move. I remember when Garrett Whitlock was healthy, you know, or closer to being fully healthy when he first started making those starts and there was no one doubting it. Everyone on Twitter was like, holy shit, this is Garrett Whitlock, the starter. Do I think there's some bumps? Do I think he's going to be an ace? No, I think there's a mid-rotation arm there. But, you know, if you don't address your bullpen and it's dog shit and you're missing Garrett Whitlock out there, it's a problem. But I think if you're going to find out whether he can start or not, this is the time to do it. And you've already found out if he can't, you can put him back in the bullpen and he'll be fine. He did it last year. So I think you got to give it a shot here. I think. I think everyone can kind of see it. There's nothing there pointing you and telling you he can't start in the big league. We big leagues. We saw it at times last year. It's just by the time he was, you know, broken down and everything, he wasn't missing any bats. I just want to see fully healthy Garrett Whitlock get that true opportunity so you can have an answer. Because I don't think there was a person, as much as anyone wants to say, heading into 2022, we were all so high on Garrett Whitlock. We believed he could be a starter. I never Doesn't mean you thought it was way. best for the roster. You never thought Garrett Whitlock could start no. in the big leagues? I didn't want him to. Why? I, I, like, if the Red Sox, especially now, because I know that Tony's wet dream was to sign Edwin Diaz, that came off the table almost instantly. Uh, you, there's no, like, lot, like what are you going to do? Sign Kenley Jansen? Like, you're, you're taking away and a that's- weapon at the back end of your bullpen. I don't care how good your fucking offense is. You build up, like, your rotation sucks right now. And the only one, like one of the, one of your major strengths was that you had a lockdown guy at the, when he's healthy at the back end of your bullpen, that's not easy to find. And you have him at a low cost. His name's Garrett Whitlock and you want to put him in the fucking rotation when, you know, you put him out there before you can say, oh, he wasn't healthy. He was healthy, whatever. He wasn't very good. So I, I just don't know why you, there aren't many strengths on this team right now. Why would you take an elite reliever and make him a mediocre starter? Like, that's not an insult. Like, what do you call a mediocre starter? Pedestrian. Like, or is Nick Pavetta a mediocre starter yeah. or is a number three a like mediocre a four, starter? Four, five. I mean, not a five, five, but like, you know, a, 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 a like a give three me, that should be a three, but right. like a four. Get, what, what would Garrett Whitlock's, you know, say he starts 25 games next year? What do you think his ERA is? Uh, 428. You giving me like 415? 428. Okay. See, I'm on the other side. I think it'd be like a three six. 
I think he'd be in that three six three five range. Based on what though? Maybe three. Because like, now you're talking about stretching this dude out, and there. I don't know if there's going to be an innings limit because a he's never pitched a full season before. B uh, you've had the history of injuries now the last two years. Remember he got fucking hurt at the end of twenty one too, and everyone's like, holy shit. Like that yeah, was a big scare. It was the the peck yeah. injury. Like I, I don't know. I just don't. I don't think it's a good idea. It's not hindsight's twenty twenty. I said it wasn't a good idea before they made him a starter the first time. Now they're doing it again after it didn't work out last year. And you you don't have. There's no backup plan. If this isn't fucking oh Jonathan Papelbon's leaving in free agency. Good thing we got Daniel Bard as a replacement. Who the fuck are you replacing Garrett Whitlock with? Tanner Houck. That's the conversation. And, and that's where you need to sit here. And I agree with you on this. If you don't properly take care of the bullpen, this doesn't make sense. Like if you have a solution to your back of your bullpen and you don't figure that out this offseason, then you should be held accountable. You can only keep Garrett Whitlock. And that's the, you know, what I'll put on this. If you don't take care of that bullpen, then this doesn't make sense. You can only take this shot and give him this opportunity if you take care of that part of your roster. And like you said, are you going to go get Kenley Jansen? Maybe, uh, you know, he's an adventure within himself. And I know he led the NL in saves or whatever it may be. But like, do they go get like David Bednar? Do they do something crazy like that and go get one of these arms they trade for? I don't know. I like Tanner Houck a lot. They're telling him he's going to start. They're telling him he's going to start so they can shop him. They can make him, you know, his value be higher. We know how the Red Sox feel about Tanner Houck. He's a reliever and he did well in the closer spot last year. But I think with Garrett Whitlock as a whole, the Red Sox have believed he could be a starter. I think he has the arsenal to be a starter. And we saw the flashes of him being a starter. Alex Cora believes he could be a starter. You know, the front office has believed he could be a starter. So I, I'm looking at Whitlock and I just, I know, Jared, you're saying you didn't believe it, but I think you're the minority in that. A lot of people believed he could start coming into 2022. And there was a lot of hype behind that. They were on. Uh, hoping, you know what? It's He was hurt. Yes, but he wasn't fully healthy. He never got a full chance to build up. Like when you take a guy out of the bullpen and he's working as an opener and then you're pushing him to five innings, give him a full off season to kind of put it together. And I think that's where the conversation needs to start. But none of it makes sense if you don't take care of the bullpen. I I agree with you there, but I'm not going to count Garrett Whitlock out as a starter yet. I still think you need to give him a fair opportunity at it because the way the Red Sox did it last year was botched. Jake, where are you at on Garrett Whitlock rotation of the bullpen? I mean, we've just seen him dominate in the bullpen so much, and it's exactly what we need. So I don't know why we're even talking about putting him in the rotation. Like you can get a fucking. You need people in the rotation. Go get that. Can you? Can you right now? What What is Garrett Whitlock getting paid next year? Uh, What is it? Can you go get a fucking nasty automatic reliever for four million dollars right now? Can you go get a number three starter? He doesn't have to be. He's not a number three. But that's the, that's the belief with Garrett Whitlock. They believe he can be a mid-rotation arm. That, that's the hope. That's the different in perspective. You don't mm-hmm. see it that way, but that's what they see. And I, I think he has the ability to be a mid-rotation starter. I don't think he's Nick Pavetta out there. I don't think we're going to see him barely get through. I think his stuff is that good. No, there's no I denying think it's that his three stuff pitch is mix. good. Like, I think back to that Angel start all the damn time and what we saw when he was popping and he looked healthy and right. If you can get anything close to that, you're talking about a ridiculous weapon to have in your rotation, a young arm, a young stable, you know, horse in your rotation of maybe picturing something like Brian Bayo and Garrett Whitlock leading this rotation for years to come. And I think as we see with starting pitching, having these arms, 
Christian Javier, everyone would have said the same exact shit about him a year ago. One year later, he's one of the reasons the Astros won the World Series. It's nasty. Like, that's Christian Javier. And I think you look at Christian Javier and you say, is his stuff any different than Garrett Whitlock? His stuff moves special, right? Like that fastball, it's 94, but it, you know, it kind of has that deception yeah, to it. There's definitely um, a difference with that's, velocity, big time. We're talking 93 yeah, to 98. I, yeah, with... What do you mean? Are you referring to Christian Javier? I'm saying Javier? he throws 93 and Whitlock throws 98. I, exactly. But we've seen with Whitlock, you know, it was closer to 95, 96 at times in the rotation. I just think shutting down that avenue puts you in a tough spot. We know what starting pitching means and bullpens are super important. But we know how front offices, we know how they view the rotation. And Alex Cora said it himself. I'd rather get, you know, 12 innings or, you know, two starts out of him a week than something like three or four innings when we believe the arm is that special. And I think you can get mad at a statement like that last year when you don't have the arms in the bullpen. If you properly take care of your bullpen, then you don't need to have that conversation. Okay. We'll see. You look like you want to spin. I just, I don't. Here's, here's the, here's the corner that you put me in right now. Tyler. Here's the corner that you put. Talk to me. You feel like the Red Sox are going to have to do more heavy lifting to find a closer than they would to get. I know that. That's just a fact. Uh You're going to like in terms of that, you're not going to find a reliever of his caliber for four million dollars. What it would cost to acquire via trade a reliever of his caliber could be allocated to other areas of, of need, especially if you fucking don't have Xander Bogarts, you know, like that. That's something that you have to prepare for. It just doesn't make sense to me. It never made sense to me. It didn't make sense to me last year. It makes even less sense now because, you know, you, you, your rotation, like, I feel like you can replace, you can replace guys in your rotation a lot easier than you can replace guys in your bullpen. Your bullpen, like, it, you, I, that's you need the Whitlock plus. People, it's not even like, you take Whitlock out of that bullpen and see, it's like, what the fuck? What do we got now? And that's where you run into these conversations, right? Like with the Astros and how they've pieced together their bullpen. And it's not a bullpen full of names. It isn't. You know what I mean? Ryan Presley has done really well the last few years to really get his name to that point. Red Sox legend. Um, but a lot of those names, Rafael Montero, failed prospect. The analytic way of looking at it is you can piece this bullpen bullpens together and finding these names by going out there and finding these nuggets. You know what I mean? Garrett Whitlock was originally one of those mm-hmm. nuggets, right? Um, the belief is you can find that. Finding a mid-rotation starter what do you think Pablo Lopez costs on oh, the market right now? You know, and that's the conversation. You probably, you're talking number three starter. I'd put Pablo Lopez in there. And that's, that's expensive, man. Look at what Frankie Montas costs. Like, it is expensive to go get like a mid-rotation to, you know, number two mm-hmm. kind of starter. That's no joke. And if the Red Sox think Whitlock is that, that's a tough thing to kind of sell yourself. Well, they better have a fucking plan to... To go get some bullpen arms because if you're moving Whitlock, they have you, to. you just can't. You can't be like, hey, we're just trying it, to beat everyone by seven runs because if we ever have to turn this over to the bullpen, we're fucked. You're, if they build the team that way and they have no bullpen solution at the end there and they're just saying, you know, let's figure out what happens, then they fucked up. Then Garrett Whitlock should not be in the rotation because that's a luxury they should take advantage of. It's not a necessity. I, I agree with you on that sense. But for development and I think the long-term future of the rotation... For a pipeline that hasn't had a lot of young arms come and stabilize, I think Whitlock still has as much talent as mm. any of them. So what I was saying about the corner that you're backing me into, you're putting me in a position to where if this doesn't work out 
with Whitlock in the rotation, I don't want to have to be the I told you so guy. Because now it seems like I'm celebrating the failure of a player on the Boston Red Sox, which I do not want to do. All I'm saying is I think you need to give Garrett Whitlock a fair shot in the rotation. I think he didn't get a fair opportunity last season. And that's where I'm coming from. And I think that's a fair take. It's a guy who never got an opportunity to get stretched out, got thrown out there because of Tanner Houck's vaccination Mm -hmm. status, and then had to kind of figure it out on the go. What happens if you just... You throw him out there for 10 starts. He's got an ERA over five. Now what? Fuck it. Shut it down. If, if, if he doesn't now look you don't like have he either. can handle it. Now, like, now it's like you're, you're, you don't even, you're, you're going to put him back in the bullpen. He's just going to snap a finger and be dominant reliever now? It's what happened last year or this past season. Not really. I mean, he wasn't that dominant when he went back to the bullpen. He, had to, he needed hip surgery. But we still saw the Garrett Whitlock of old. Let's be real. I don't think anyone was sitting there and saying, who is sitting here saying they ruined Garrett no. Whitlock or they're worried they ruined him? Nobody. He was unhealthy. He didn't even get to finish. Well, hopefully, hopefully. We- and Alex Cora said it himself, like the amount of work he was doing to even get on the mound those days was yeah. ridiculous. Well, we'll see, I guess. I don't, I don't want to be the I told you so guy. It, I'm not telling and that's not me saying like, listen, do I think there's a chance Garrett Whitlock doesn't work out as a starter? Sure. There's guys that it just doesn't click or they have trouble going through multiple times. I just, I think his stuff is good enough to be a number three in this league. And yeah, I, I think I buy that evaluation from the Red Sox in their front office. But roster construction is important. And if you don't take care of the bullpen, he shouldn't be in that rotation. Well, we got plenty of time to discuss, dissect, forecast, the roster construction of the 2023 Boston Red Sox. This was just the first of many off-season podcasts here. The Name Redacted Podcast, America's Most Beloved Podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Uh, Tyler, do you have any closing thoughts? Once again, uh, dude, I think I'm going to... People are not going to like me this episode. I have between the Twitter blue uh, verification, yep, play it. Between the Garrett Whitlock stuff, <laughs> I'm not picturing great reviews, but um, I love you guys, and I appreciate all the nice things you always have to say to me. And if you have to dunk on me a bit, please do it. I'm okay. It's okay to be the bad guy sometimes. Someone has to be the villain, and I'm willing to be that guy because I am that guy. Mm-hmm. You heard me. Thank you, uh, Jake's takes. Uh, I've been writing down all the soundboard timestamps for editing purposes, and this list is uh. <laughs> Pretty interesting. <laughs> Do you, did I send you the clips? How do you get the sounds? They Once you play it, it just records on your audacity. Oh. What's the list? Uh, 30 minutes in, we got aggressive face fuck noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One hour, one, one hour and one minute in, we have round of applause for a finger in Jared's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, an hour nineteen in, we have Tyler's a cheater and an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and <True>. then w- <laughs> one hour mean. and fifteen one minutes in, we have Tyler getting booed while apologizing. <laughs> yep. And you suck. Right. Cool. <laughs> The Red Sox are going to be, okay. be fine. We're going to be okay. We're chilling.
Yeah, Red Sox is gonna be fine. Go get a, f- yeah, go get a fucking front line starter, please. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be a true number one, but get something of a one or a two, some kind of guy that can anchor. If you do, this rotation looks a lot better. My six man rotation. Let's go Red Sox. Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox. Sox. Let's, Let's go, go Red Sox. Go Red Sox. See you next week. Buenas noches, amigos.